Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. We are going to jam through this session this morning. We're going to... So, um, so I need you to get ready. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I am privileged to be one of your next-gen uh, regional pastors, although I am not over your area. Aaron Calhoun, how many of you remember Pastor Aaron? Yeah, he is amazing. He is my counterpart. He is over the South region, but I am so honored to get to be here with you guys. Um, I had my husband and I actually met in North Carolina and at Camp Courtney. How many of you even were alive during Camp Courtney? Remember Camp Courtney? Anyways, Camp Courtney was a beautiful place. And I remember cleaning the tabernacle. We played that, you know, 20 questions game and realized that I'm going to marry you and you're going to marry me. And that's what we did. And that was almost 30 years ago now. So, <laughs> so anyways, I love North Carolina for um, obvious reasons. But I also love it because you guys are here, and I'm excited to get to be here with you. Pastor Brandon brought a word last night, first things first, seeking first the kingdom of God. We're going to continue in that vein. Matthew 6.23 says this. It's our scripture from last night. It's the theme of the weekend. In fact, I'm going to ask you, pull out your journals, get a pen, and get your Bible. Get it ready. Um, You're probably not going to be able to flip to all the scriptures that I have, but you are going to be saturated this weekend with the word. Okay, you're going to be like overfilled, which means when you go back, you got to get squeezed out and pour it all out so you got room to get more, okay? But it says this in Matthew 6, 23, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. As Jesus issued these words, he was communicating a very specific principle regarding our faith. Provision is about our priorities, Provision is about our priorities. Mature faith, the kind of faith that doesn't fluctuate, isn't predicated on your feelings. We are often led by how we feel. I feel, I think, you realize that our soul is the greatest enemy that our spirit is warring against. Our soul is comprised of our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's the thing that screams the loudest to us. What we're feeling, what we're thinking, and beliefs we have made about ourselves. That is at war with our spirit, which is trying to declare truth. One thing I always like to remember is the thing I'm hearing loudest often, if it's negative, is the roaring lion, which is the enemy. It says, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But then the word also tells me that God comes to us as a still, small voice. So I'm constantly trying to lean into the whisper through the loud roar of the lion. Your feelings cannot determine the strength of your faith. What this means is when you pray, when you feel like complaining. When you start your day with God's word rather than scrolling through social feeds. 
when you ask for help instead of entering into isolation. We're going to talk a lot more about isolation on Sunday and intimacy with God. And expressing gratitude for what you have instead of entertaining envy for the things that you don't have. Serving others rather than indulging in yourself. None of that sounds fun. But this is what mature faith is about. And when you act on those principles, when you begin to walk and motivate and live your life from that place, you begin to see the very things that you're you were wanting, that your flesh was wanting, fulfilled through Christ. And it becomes a place that's fulfilled for good rather than a temporal release. You want faith that doesn't fluctuate? It begins with making faith about more than your feelings. Scripture is a library of writings that tell a unified story leading us into relationship with Jesus. In the word, we find life. There's no spiritual rhythm more important than the intake of God's word. There's no substitute for it. There is simply no healthy Christian apart from the diet of the milk and meat of scripture. You have to know the word. Like there's no way around it. You've got to know the word of God. You've got to get in and know it, but you can't just know it for knowledge's sake. You have to know the God of the scriptures. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word. He is the word. So when you are in the word, it is alive. Many people yawn with familiarity and not in agreement with the statements however they don't spend any more time in the word of god on an average day than those who aren't even believers in christ at all someone once remarked that the worst dust storm in history would happen if church members everywhere who neglected their bibles dusted them all off at the same time and i'm a big fan of the actual like book I mean your phones are great but there's nothing there is nothing that can compare to hearing the rustling of pages in a collective group of people as they're digesting God's word and to be able to write it out and highlight and draw and write things in your in the word of what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you I don't know about you but I'm on you version and I love it but when I highlight something I can't ever find it again I'm like, what was that? But in the word, I can open it up and I can even flip through it. And I'm like, what was that that I highlighted? And I can read it. And once again, life is breathed into it. In our busy lives, it's easy to become preoccupied with Christian activities and not spend enough time in the word. Scripture intake is not only one of the most important spiritual rhythms, but is the most broad. It's the most broad. I mean, there's so much in there. There's so much in there that contribute to the other rhythms that we need in our lives, in our walk with Jesus, in our life as believers. We learn how to pray. We learn how to fast. We learn how to stand firm. We learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. We get encouraged when we read of the stories in there and we say, oh my gosh, I felt that way before. I mean, David was like literally the most up and down emotionally person. I mean, he's dancing naked one second, 
which would have made us all like, you know? And then the next minute he's like, I'm dying, God. You've left me. Yet God said he's the man after his own heart. That's called authenticity and reality. But I want to encourage you this. Before you get into the word, pray. And when you pray, you want to ask these three things. You want to say, Lord, what's your word saying? I'm going to jam through this. I got like five minutes left. What's your word mean? And what does your word mean for my life? But there's something that we need in order to get the answers to those questions. And we need to understand and engage with the Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus ascended, he said, but I'm leaving. There's another one that'll come. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is imparting and speaking. He's the comforter. He's a counselor. He's our friend. He's the one whispering and speaking and making the word come to life. And he's partnering with us through every season of our life. And I tell you what, when we pray these things and we say, Spirit of God, I invite you into this place and into this moment. Make the word come alive to me. What's it speaking to me? One of the greatest frustrations to me is when people who know the Lord look at his word as simply a textbook or a historical book, a book of history, a book of good stories, and they forget about the life of the word, that it's something for them today. And we as believers can fall into that so easy whether we're kids who are at church every week, whether we're Bible college students, whether we go to Christian school or we're homeschooled, and the word becomes part of our study, we forget to let it become transformative. Keep it in the place that it's intended to be, a living, breathing expression of God's grace, mercy, and love for you. Okay, we're going to run really fast. Ready? Okay, Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is living and active, full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. This is the amplified. This is like the version, the neon version, I call it. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of our heart. Here's what it says in the message. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is as sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one can resist God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. When I was um, 17 or 18 years old, I was on staff at a church in Southern California. In fact, this story has to do, if you're from Lakeshore, with Pastor Gill. So I've been a longtime friend of, of mine. And Pastor Gill was a college pastor at this same church, and we were all on staff together there. 
And I was just so frustrated because all, all the guys, I was the only girl on staff with 12 guys. That was just an interesting moment in my life. Um, so I was teased and treated like a little sister in wonderful, wonderful ways. But um, I remember asking Gil one day, I was just so frustrated because I would listen to the guys talk about the Lord and it was so alive and it was so real to them and the word was living. <coughs> and I said, Gil, I don't get it. I mean, I love the Bible, but I don't get it. And he reminded me where it says in, in, in Timothy 3.16, it says, the word of God is living. It's breathing. It's good. And he opened his door, and it was raining in Southern California, which is a rare occurrence out there. I mean, not so much this year, but back in 1991, it was a rare occurrence. And he opened the door to his office, and he had this skylight in there, and it was raining. And he said, JJ, go in here, take your word. And he goes, don't leave until it breathes. And I said, what? He goes, you'll know when it happens. And he, I locked the door, kept the lights off, had the rain falling, and I laid my word open. And I remember I put my head just like that as an act of faith. And I said, God, if this thing is alive, make it breathe. Make it breathe. Let it become life to me. And I tell you, my friends, in that moment, that word began to. No one can convince me differently. It began to rise and fall as a set of lungs that were breathing. And the word has never been the same for me since that moment. Everything came alive. Everything became directly related to my life. It became my compass, my plumb line, my source, my diet. It became the very thing I needed more than anything. And it set me on a journey with Jesus. Am I in it every day? Am I in it every waking moment? Is it always have, is it like, am I looking at it right now and it's rising and falling? No, but I, by faith, Step in and activate once again what I remember God did for me. And I said, speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. I want to hear what you are speaking to me. I want to meditate upon your word. If you want to know about the word of God, I can't get into it for time's sake. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. It is the longest chapter of the Bible. So it's long. It's like 160 some verses. But it's all about the word of God. It wasn't written by David. It wasn't written by Solomon. In fact, it's, it's thought to have been written by Ezra. It encourages us through every generation to stay close and focused on his word, no matter what swirls around us in this world. Living in the freedom and knowledge of God's ways, obeying his law above everything else, and keeping in step with his commandments is the only way to live truly wise and strong lives. God's word is powerful, living, and active, and it never changes because he never changes. He is the same, as Kimberly said, yesterday, today, and forever. His words are breathed straight from his heart to us. A love letter for our life. 
not simply an old-fashioned, outdated book with no relevance for today. And his word is sharper than any two-edged sword. So I'm going to give you a few scriptures, so jot these down. James 1.22, about being a doer of the word, not a hearer only. This means you cannot sustain your walk with Jesus on what your pastor and youth pastor are preaching to you. You have got to hear from the Lord yourself. You can't sustain it off podcasts, off Sadie Robertson Huff, off Passion Conference, off all these things. You've got to sustain your walk with Christ off the word of God in relationship with him. All of those other things should be supporting pieces and confirming works to what God's already been speaking to you. You don't measure God's word to your pastor. Your pastor's word is measured to God's word. Okay, um, let's go on. So Psalm 119.33, Psalm 119.57, Psalm 119.89. His word is forever. Um, First Chronicles 28 verse 9. I love this verse. It's for you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father. Serve him wholeheartedly with a willing mind. For the Lord searches the heart and understands the intention of every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. Psalm 119.05, John 15.5, Psalm 119.45. I hope you're writing these down. If you need them, I can give them to you later. Psalm 119.153, Psalm 16.11. This is an instruction my wandering heart so desperately needs. Psalm 119.114. And my favorite verse from Psalm 119. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We live in a space in time where we are told we have the right to be offended. The word of God tells us that if we live in the peace of knowing the Savior and being led by the Spirit and knowing his word that nothing shall offend us. As believers, we lay down the right and privilege of being offended. Why would we want to be offended? Boy, when I live in offense, which I still struggle with, when I live in a place of offense, I am miserable, I am wounded, I am angry, I am insecure, I don't have confidence. I'm seeing everything through a really filtered, foggy lens. I'm not hearing the Lord clearly. And the person whom I'm offended by, most of the time, 99% of the time, has no idea that they did anything to offend me. And I've lived on that side of the coin. I've had so many people who've been offended by me, and I have had no idea. So therefore, I was never offered an opportunity to repent and to grow, and to be changed, and to seek their forgiveness. Regardless of the circumstances, the perception was they were wounded. I don't care who was right. When the person's wounded, it doesn't matter. Jesus took it all for me. 
So who am I to plead my case to someone who's broken? But if I can live in the peace of God's word, nothing offends me. There's many ways you can get into the word. You can listen to it. You can study it. You can memorize it. You can meditate upon it and apply it to your lives. But remember this. The law kills, but the spirit gives life. When you read the Bible as a bunch of just rules and regulations and it's a law. And if I break this, then God's going to be angry and blah, ah, the pressure, the law kills. But when we invite the Holy Spirit and says, make it alive to me, breathe upon it, make it fresh. The Spirit gives life and we are changed in that life. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus this morning and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to take these expedited words and would you breathe life upon them? Would you make there um, be a reality to a place of desperation and hunger for you? And for your word that starts to grow in our lives. Lord God, I ask the fruit of our lives would be coconuts, God Jesus. That we would be both milk and meat to the people around us. That we would be a sustaining fruit to those who need us. That we grow high and we fall low so that anyone can grab and eat and be filled, Lord Jesus. Wherever they're at in their walk with you. Would you make us coconuts in the spirit, God? I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would stir our heart with hunger and passion. And Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We invite you into this space of our lives to convict us, to challenge us, to change us so that we would become a bit more like you. We honor you, God. We love you, Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Have your We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.